Let's uh, look at Romans chapter 13, Romans 13. We want to uh, read verses 1 through 7. While you're opening up there, make sure to grab a flyer out in the foyer about our couples retreat coming up on October 15th through the 17th. And uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun together. I've got some special music planned and uh, some fun things. Going to be some good sound instruction in building uh, our, our homes, our marriages in a greater, uh, stronger way. And so make sure you to uh, take some time off and be a part of that. Also, there's a flyer out there that deals with the schedule for fasting and prayer. September 25th, we want to start fasting and praying uh, for the elections coming up. And certainly, if there's something that's desperately in need of prayer, uh, it's the elections that are coming up. And so let's uh, take time to pray. You don't have to fast every day, but maybe in that 40-day period, take a day or two to fast. And, uh, but make sure every day we pray specifically for the election. And then starting on uh, October the 7th, we have 40 days of fasting going up into the anniversary of the church. The church will be celebrating 40 years of ministry here. And uh, we have some special music coming. Dr. Shoemaker is coming. We'll have ordination council. We're going to have revival meetings Sunday through Wednesday. And so we got a lot going on there. We want you to be a part of all that. A great opportunity for us to be drawn closer to our walk with God and uh, be able to uh, experience a real move of God in our life. We're praying for a revival. We want God to do something miraculous and special in each of our personal lives and certainly within the local church assembly here. If God can do something in my heart, then he can do something in the whole church. And if we, if we don't allow God to do something in our heart personally, there'll never be a revival in the church. The church is not this building, it's all of us. So we need the Lord to bring a revival in our hearts. Ministers of God, let's look at Romans chapter 13 and verse one, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Uh, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Uh, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Uh, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God. A revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also... For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, uh, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together to, this morning, be able to study the word of God. Uh, Lord, it's exciting to know that uh, the Bible addresses all these issues that we have to deal with and, and uh, respond to in the real world in which we live. And I'm thankful, Lord, for uh, just the authority of scriptures. I'm thankful for the authority of Jesus Christ. 
I'm thankful, Lord, that you have so designed uh, the world in a very systematic and orderly fashion, uh, and that, God, we can draw from that in understanding how to have an uh, a orderly, uh, uh, quiet, peaceable society. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless us. I would ask, Lord, if there's someone here this morning who's ever been saved, that you would touch them and they would re uh, receive Christ as their Savior. Pray for every believer that would be drawn closer to you this morning, giving us ability to be able to make some sense out of the world in which we live. And so bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verses, verse 4, says, For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And so two times in this verse, it mentions the fact that those that are rulers, those that are in powers, those that are in authority, are the ministers of God. And I think so many times we forget that God has so established a human society to function in an orderly fashion. You know, when a man was exceedingly wicked back in Genesis uh, chapter 6, uh, God saw the wickedness of man and everything was chaotic and everything was out of control, that God brought a flood on this earth and destroyed all of mankind. And once uh, all mankind was uh, destroyed, Noah and his family were preserved alive on the ark. And after that, God established in a very minute form the matter of human government. Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And so God established the ability to maintain an orderly society. Uh, we are a country uh, that is rapidly running towards anarchy, uh, Marxism, and socialism. Uh, we are in an election year uh, that is just a few weeks away uh, that really is being set up to be the biggest uh, debacle that we've ever experienced in our history as a nation, as a people. I, I am alarmed to see what is going on in, uh, in preparing for the election that is coming up. We have our churches being defined by the government redeveloped into nothing more than a beach party atmosphere. Uh, the church is no longer functioning as the church should function. Uh, we have mobs of people in the streets looting stores, rioting in the streets, attacking police officers. Um, we uh, have COVID-19 being used as a means to control people, to destroy businesses, and the further political agendas. And uh, every year they say some 200 million Christians in the world suffer some type of persecution. Statistically they say that a Christian is killed for their faith every six minutes in this world. And so when we look at that, we have to ask the question, how is the Christian supposed to respond to all these facts and all these distractions. Because the reality is, I think, I think Christians have lost a sense of understanding on what we are supposed to do and how we're supposed to function as a Christian. You know, I saw a thing the other day, they, I think it was a school in Michigan, I uh, had a sign up on the, uh, on the bulletin board in the classroom 
Oh, uh, black lives matter. Uh, now in God's eyes, all lives matter. But the reality is Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. And I thought to myself when I saw that, oh, you can't post on the bulletin board the Ten Commandments, but you can post some political statement that literally the curriculum, the way it is set up, is nothing more than teaching your children elementary age how to become political activists. And I, my, my confusion is, is why is it any parent standing up and saying no? We're not going to do that. So things are out of control. Uh, but how is the Christian supposed to respond? Are we, are we to be upset because every six minutes a Christian is uh, killed for their faith in the world? So should we go out rioting and looting? If we don't like what's going on, we don't like the outcome of an election, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to go out and protest and, and create anarchy in our streets? Is that how we're supposed to respond? When the government says you can't meet in your building, you can't meet to worship God and serve the Lord, as you see, it's supposed to be done. What are we supposed to do? Run down to the beach and run around and jump around like a bunch of maniacs? I think the Christian needs to be reminded on how we're to function and react to these things that are going on and acknowledge once again that those that are in positions of authority are put there for the purpose of maintaining an orderly, godly society. They are the ministers of God. Harry Ironside said this in his commentary, he says, his rule ever should be, this is a reference to the Christian, his rule should ever be, should be, we must obey God rather than man. And that, that, that is where the Christian takes his stand that when the law of man violates the law of God, we stand with God. He goes on to say this, nevertheless, so in other words, just because you say I'm obeying God doesn't mean you, have, you can become an anarchist. Nevertheless, he is not to be found in opposition to human government, even though the administrators of that government may be men of the most unrighteous type. You just do a history study on the, li on the life of uh, the nation of Israel. Go through the historical books in the Old Testament and start counting how many kings in Israel did that which was evil in the sight of God. But Israel still was obligated to follow their leadership as they would uh, work God's will because God's the one who puts men on the throne and it's God who takes them off of the throne. Harry Ironside continues to go on and says this, we, we come to the study of this 13th chapter. It is well for us to remember that he who sat on the throne of the empire when Paul gave his instructions concerning obedience to the powers that be was one of the vilest beasts in human form. Whoever occupied a throne of power, I'm sorry, a throne of sensuous, uh, a sensual brute who ripped up the body of his own mother in order that he might see the womb that bore him an evil, blatant, egotist, and most despicable character whose cruelties and injustices 
beggar, all description. When Paul wrote chapter 13, Nero was ruling. When Paul wrote chapter 13 and the Christians are to respond to the powers that be and authorities that are over us was when Nero was killing Christians daily. And Paul said, this is how you're to respond. You're still be subject unto the powers that be over top of you. The Christian is to be obedient to government. And he tells us why in verse 5, to avoid condemnation. Notice in verse 5, says, Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath. And so he's saying, if you don't want to fall into condemnation, then you acknowledge God's authorities that are established in your life. And as you acknowledge them, you submit yourself to them, uh, unless it brings you to a point of violating your Christian conscience and testimony but in order to avoid the condemnation not only of the ruler, but also of God, we obey the governmental authorities that is over us. Not only to avoid condemnation, but to have a clear conscience. In verse 5, it says, that Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. It's an interesting thought that if you study the life of Christ, uh, the zealots always expected the Messiah to come as a mighty warrior to fight against Rome and take Rome down. But you didn't see Jesus leading the believers that followed him in protest against Rome. You don't fi find him telling them that they can be uh, developing anarchy in the streets because they don't like the rule of the Roman uh, Empire over top of them. But he did say we're supposed to love our enemies. He did say we're supposed to pray for those that persecute us. He did declare that there was a different way that the Christian was supposed to live. And whether you're in living in blessed times or troubled times, there is a process or a way that you're supposed to function as a Christian. The Christian acknowledges the fact that God has established government and he has established authorities as police forces and all these things so as to maintain an orderly society. Harry Ironside goes on to say this, For every moral precept of the uh, second table of the law, which sets forth man's duty to his neighbor, is summed up in the words, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He who loves could by no possibility ever be guilty of adultery, murder, theft, lying, or covetousness. And I thought of this, the problem is not so much with the authorities that are in charge as our, our inability to function as a real Christian functions and we don't steal, we don't rob, we don't lie, we don't commit a murder, we don't, we're not fornicators, we're not adulterers, we're not idolaters. And so we have a way that we function because when we function the way we're supposed to, it impacts the world that we live in. And I am afraid we have drifted so far away from the biblical standards of living that we have now justified in our minds that it's okay uh, to launch out attacks against policemen, 
launch out attacks against government, riot, and, and cause all kinds of problems and mayhem in, our, in the world that we live in. So first of all, I want to just look at this. Uh, we see the ministers of God. We see their position in verse 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but that uh, but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So first of all, acknowledge the fact their position is a divine authority. Divine authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And uh, the Jesus Christ is the one of absolute authority in control of all creation. Uh, he created everything. He sustains everything. Uh, he created man in his own image. Uh, he has the power. He has the authority over everything that functions and happens in heaven and on this earth. And uh, he is the one who is in absolute authority to exercise his will through those he positions in that authority. And uh, if we resist and fight against the authority that God has established, we have forgotten that God has set up ministers of God to regulate and control the world in which we live. And you say, well, I don't like who's been elected. Uh, well, you know, get over it. Because the reality is there's not very many you can choose from and say you like. Now, over the years, I'll tell you, there's been an awful lot of people that have been president that I was like, oh, my goodness, this is it for us as a nation. But God has seen fit to bless us and get us through. Uh, oftentimes we say, well, I don't like this law or I don't like that law. Uh, well, you don't have the, the privilege of choosing what law you like or what law you don't like. You are obligated by the authority of God that God gave to man to submit yourselves to those laws. Uh, we cannot become a lawless society. And so we have a divine authority that we have to deal with. To, we have a rejected ordinance. Whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinance of God. And I think we need to be reminded it would be well uh, for our children in school to be reminded uh, that when they break the law of the land, they are resisting or rejecting the ordinance of God. And when you say, when the Bible says, thou shalt not steal, uh, that's exactly what it means. And there is authorities, police officers or whatever, that are put in positions to ensure that you do not steal. And so if you take somebody's possessions and they're not yours, you take it, uh, you have rejected the ordinance of God because God has established the way that we're supposed to relate one towards another and so to reject the ordinance of the Lord. And this, see, we, we have so removed God from our society. We have removed God from the real world in which we live in and then we wonder why we can't get people to understand that it's not right to take somebody else's possessions. It is ultimately when man beats up another man or man takes the life of an individual, he is lashing out at God because God has created every man in his own image. And when you do something aggressively against someone, 
Uh, you are lashing out at God Almighty because you're rejecting the ordinance of God that God established on how you're to live and function. Or you say, well, I just don't want to be faithful in my wife in marriage. You're rejecting the ordinance of God. Because God said, what God has joined together, let no man put us under. We're not, to, we're not even to look on the woman to lust in our minds and our hearts, let her own commit an adulterous act. And yet that's, a, that's an accepted thing in society. We're rejecting the ordinance. So what, what is the outcome? We're condemned resistance. In verse 2, it says, and they resist shall receive to themselves damnation. We cannot uh, expect God to bless us as a nation, as a people, if we're going to be a nation and a people that's going to live in anarchy. We cannot expect God to move and bless us as a people if we're going to dishonor him and reject his commands that he has given us. And so uh, we, we resist to the condemnation of ourselves. You know, God can move in regard, irregardless of what the situation is with the person who is in leadership. You say, well, we have to protest. We have to fight against this, and we have to do this, and we have to do that. Uh, that is not the weapons God has given us. The weapons that God has given us is the almighty ability to talk to God in prayer and get God to fight on our behalf. He is the captain of the host, not us. You see that illustrated in Pharaoh in Egypt. We certainly know the situation back in Exodus chapter 3 when God would call Moses to go down and to bring his people out of bondage. We do know that the children of Israel were in bondage for some 430 years before they were brought out of slavery. Uh, they were abused by the pharaohs. Uh, they were uh, manipulated and controlled. They had no means to build an army. They had no weaponry to be able to fight against the king, against Pharaoh. However, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. Oftentimes people say, well, God doesn't know what's going on. Yes, he does know what's going on. And let me tell you something. He knows what's going on right now in this world that we're living in. He knows what's going on in the United States right now. He said, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And here it is, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, uh, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out, up and out, of the land unto a good land and a large, into a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. See, God knows and acknowledges the position of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was in authority. He was an abuser of mankind. Uh, he was a destroyer of life. And, uh, but yet, it was God who heard the prayers of his people who sent Moses 
to deliver them out of the bondage. And listen, there's wicked kings in the history of Israel I mentioned, but then God would raise up a good king. And I know this, that God can put men in a position of authority to work his will at his discretion, at his timing, and in his way. And so our role and our job is to be subject unto the powers that be because they are ordained of God. So when a police officer pulls you over, you say, yes, sir, no, sir. When the government tells you that you have to, whatever it is, all these laws that we have, they just make more and more laws. They can't keep the ones they got, and they keep making more. <laughs> New Jersey is out of control. And I'm like, what in the world is this governor going to come up next? And so what is our response to that? We're to obey the government. We're to obey the authorities that are in our life. So that's their position. But then we see their power in verse 3 and 4. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. And then he tells his wife, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So we see a couple of things here. We see their power. Their power enables them to reward good behavior. And, uh, you know, I've never been pulled over for speeding when I wasn't speeding. I can act stupid all I want. I remember I was pulled over. I was driving bus, commuter bus in New York. I had one of the old buses and and there was a jam up on the New Jersey turnpike in the right lanes. And I was like, I had enough of this. I'm going around these stupid trucks. They can't get out of the way. Why? I always say, well, you're driving out here like you're a big truck if you can't do it. Get out of the way. Amen. So I jumped out in the left lane and I took off on around there. I don't know how fast I was going. The speedometer didn't work. But I knew I was doing pretty good because the fenders were starting to flap and everything else on that old bus. And sure, sure enough, there he was, sitting in the median. I was like, where did he come from? <laughs> he pulls me over. He said, you know why I pulled you over? I said, no. <laughs> he said, for speeding. I said, well, I was going pretty fast. I told him, I said, well, how fast was I going? He said, you were doing 75 mile an hour. I said, 75? I said, I can't believe this old bus would go that fast. What are you going to do? I said, well, here's my license registration. Pay the ticket. What am I going to do? Argue and fight with him about it? He's the one that's in authority. I was the one that was breaking the law. He has the power to either reward, reward me for doing good or punish me for doing wrong. So don't get mad at the authority because you do something that's wrong and you have to suffer the punishment. God has given them that power. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 35 says, The king's favor is towards a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 2 says, The fear of a king is as the roaring of a lion. Whoso provoketh him to anger sinneth against his own soul. He has the power, God has given him the power to reward good behavior. And I just thought about this. Where, where's the parental training? 
Train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, will not depart from it. Where, where's the parental training to tell our children that you obey the authorities that are over top of you? I thought it's interesting, all these protests that are going on, uh, of how many young people, college-age kids that are out there protesting, and I often think, what, why ain't they working? I can't take off all that time to just go out there and protest and loot and riot and everything else and then vulgarly curse and carry on against police officers and people that are in authority. Where's, where's the training? Where's the teaching of our children that you don't talk to that, that way to people in authority? Sociological living. If you want a peaceful society, then we recognize the authorities that are in power. You'll never have peaceful society if all you do is condemn and attack and aggressively reject the powers that are in authority. Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. If you want to be able to convert, you want to be able to correct, you want to be able to convince, you want to be able to convict people who are doing wrong, then bless God, you need to be doing what is right. So they're there for the purpose of rewarding uh, those that do that which is good. But they're also there, it says in verse 3, to punish bad behavior. If they can punish bad behavior, and they do, then it will instill fear to do right. I am, I am shocked of the lack of fear in reference of standing in front of authorities and just doing what is wrong. To take and literally bust down windows, go into a store, rob and loot the store, and videotape yourself while you're doing it. They need to be thrown in jail. There needs to be an instilling of fear in reference to the authorities. You say, that's horrible. No, it's not horrible. The reason why we're in a situation that we're in is because we no longer have a fear in reference to those that are in a position of authority. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7 says, If thou, God is talking to Cain, he says this, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. So punishment he, they, the, those in authority have the ability to punish bad behavior because it will still fear to do right, but it also protects against social injustices. And so when you do what is right according to the laws of the land, uh, you have no justification to complain when there is a wrong that is done against you. And so in order to be able to protect our, everyone's rights, everyone's safety, everyone's position, everyone's ability to travel from one place to another, to be able to interact with people, it requires an authority that can not only 
reward good behavior, but also to be able to punish bad behavior. And uh, I, I thought, uh, you know, that all this stuff that is going on and saying about the police officers need to be trained, retrained. They need more training. I'll tell you who needs the training, the parents. Parents need the training on how to tell their children to function uh, in a society. And uh, we, we, we we're, not, we're not just free agents to do as we please when we feel like doing it. I'm sorry, that just doesn't work that way. Well, I want to do my own thing. Well, go ahead. If you do wrong, you're going to suffer the consequences. Not only that, but it eliminates a vengeful behavior. So then it goes over onto the other side of the issue. If, if we take away the opportunity for those in authority to re reward that which is good and punish that which is bad, then man thinks he has to take it upon himself and become a vigilante. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. What was that over the weekend? Chicago had 60-some shootings. New York had over 50 shootings. Um, uh, people are getting an argument. I saw the thing of somebody they think was a road rage thing. Uh, somebody got mad at somebody else driving their car, got out and shot the person. Uh, th this is the type of society that develops when you, you tie the hands of people who are in authority that are given that responsibility, not only by God, but by man also to maintain order, and you take it away from them. Well, you see that example illustrated in Daniel, Daniel when he is in Babylon. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, in other words, the law was in order, the authorities were in control. He went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. All right, the law's been signed. The law's been established. You no longer can pray. you got to bow down to this image. Well, wait a minute. I ought to obey God rather than man. You want to impose that on everyone else? If everyone else wants to bow down to the image, I'm just going to bow down and pray to my God. There's going to be a consequence, Daniel, because those in authority have the ability to punish a wrongdoing or reward good doing. I'll honor my God. And what did he do? He ended up in the lion's den. That's what happened to him. But did he call for a protest? Did he call for looting? Did he call for rioting? No. He humbled himself before his God, and it was God who gave him the victory. So we see their position, we see their power. In verse 5 through 7, we see their praise. It says, wherefore, in verse 5, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for that they are God's ministers attending continually unto this very thing. 
Uh, Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Notice there's a humble submission. Uh, We are submitting ourselves, we put ourselves in subjection to the authorities that are established, uh, not out of pride, but out of trusting that God is in control of all things, and we humble ourselves uh, until they tell us that we cannot worship our God. So there's a humble submission. And verse 6 is financial support. All this foolishness about defunding the police. I forget what city it was. I just saw one of the cities that just voted to defund and basically abolish their police department now has called out to the police to provide more policing for them. Humble submission, financial support, but honorable service rendered therefore to all their dues. Honorable service. He says tribute. Tribute is basically dealing with taxes. We pay our taxes in order to support, you know, people in authority to run our governments. We pay taxes for the purpose of supporting our police officers and first responders. We pay those taxes willingly complainingly as myself, but we pay them irregardlessly because of the fact that they have to be supported to do their God-calling job to maintain order in a society. Custom means the uh, conclusion of conduct. There's a way that the customs of our society, the way we function as a people, be aware of this. Everything that's going on right now with Black Lives Matter and also with Antifa is directed purposely from their websites to, to discredit the government, overthrow the government, and do away with the nuclear family. That's what their goal is. I, I heard a thing the other day. These fires out in California and Oregon and Washington uh, are being set by arsonists. Somebody said something about that a week or so ago, and I mean, they excoriated them. Oh, you can't say that. No, 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 you said that. To come to find out, we're talking over 50, 60 fires that have been started by arsonists. Disrupt, destroy, disrupt corrupt everything, whatever, just to get control of things. We need to back our people that are in authority to maintain the control of our country. Fear means respect, need a respect of those in positions of authority. I might not like the president that's elected. I might not like the governor that is elected. But as long as whoever they are, whatever title they hold, you're to respect them. And then honor. Honor means to place high value on. I place high value on the fact that if my house gets on fire, a fireman's going to come over and put the fire out. I put a high value on if I have a heart attack, there's somebody driving an ambulance who can get me to the hospital. 
so they can straighten me out. I put a high value on if there's somebody breaking into my house or somebody trying to do me or my wife harm, I have police officers that I can call to come help me out. I place a high value on those that are in authority. The problem is we have a breakdown of respect for those that are in authority. And because there has been a breakdown of respect for those that are in authority, it has affected the family. When children no longer respect their father as the authority in their home, there's a problem. Because if you cannot have your children respect you as the parent, I'll guarantee you they are not going to respect some position of authority that they're going to have to deal with. So there's the breakdown of the family. There's the breakdown in the church because the church is made up of, of the authority of the parents. So the church is made up of families. And uh, I, I've watched this for 35 years in ministry. I've watched this, that teenager kids become teenagers, and then they get in their head what they think they want to do. They get in their head what they think is worship. They get in their head what they think is godly, and mom and dad go right along with it. You just gave up your authority. And because you gave up your authority, you have created a lack of respect in your children for authority. Because authority begins in the home. Then it's experienced in the church. And it's why people won't respect the authority of the pastor or leadership in the church or whatever. Because there's a breakdown of authority respect. Then they go out and get a job and they can't hold a job. Well, who they are telling me I have to do that. I'll tell you who they are. They're the owner of the company. You want to work for them? You do what they tell you to do. Then when the job, the functionality of the job breaks down, uh, then society breaks down. Everything gets chaotic. Everything's out of control. You can't run a business. Uh, I, I know I've talked with different people trying to hire people uh, to uh, drive uh, tractor and trailers or whatever. I know my brother struggled until he retired just trying to get people to work. And if they did work, they would not do what you tell them to do. Society falls apart. And then, once the family is gone, the authority of the church is gone, the authority on the job is gone, the authority in the society is gone, now personally the authority is gone. Personally, the person's out of control. They can't be happy about anything. They can't relate to anybody. They cannot interact with a, 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 a respectful way. Men start beating up women, start abusing women, vice versa. Some of these women go to the gym, they start beating up the men, amen? <laughs> Everything's out of control, personally. Why? It all goes back to Romans chapter 13. God establishes authority. And when God establishes authority, we need to recognize that they are ministers of God. You parents are ministers of God to your children. And our police officers are minister of God to our society. Our military are ministers of God to we as a nation and as a, a people to protect our shores or whatever. Uh, and it all revolves around this just simple thought that these people who are in authority are the ministers of God.
And so please, please remind yourself and pray over that and share with others that we need to function as a Christian functions. And we cannot, we cannot get drawn in and caught up with all this stuff that is going on thinking that it is right and it's just. Oh, we as Americans have a right to protest. Yes, you do. You have a right to stand up and let your voice be heard. But that's where it stops. It doesn't go any farther than that. You have a right to go vote anybody into office that you want to vote in. You cannot complain about the way somebody is leading the country with their abilities or inabilities if you don't vote. You need to vote them in. You have that power in your hand to do that. And so you have control over your life and your country by recognizing the ministers that God has established. And that means we've got to pray. We have got to pray. We, the people of God, need to pray and pursue God to give us great victories. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, these are troubled days that we're living in. We've, over the, in my lifetime, I've seen many troubled days. But God, I'm thankful that we have the answer to these problems by coming to you. You know what's going on. You're sitting on the throne of heaven you hear our cries, you hear our prayers, and Lord, we're asking you to do something miraculous. Uh, we need your protection. Uh, we need your anointing. Uh, I pray for our police officers. I pray for our first responders. I pray for those that are positions of authority. You've commanded us to pray for them, that the kings and the rulers in the land. Uh, Lord, we lift them up before you asking that the Spirit of God would prod them and convict them when they get ready to make a wrong decision. And God, that you would give them a settledness and a peacefulness in their heart when they're doing that which is right. But God, most of all, we just pray that everything that we say and everything that we do shows forth the testimony of the authority of God Almighty. And so bless us, uh, reward us for doing good, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.